Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Today on the podcast, we have Prit. Prit is helping business owners confidently implement long-term marketing strategies. And we already had a little bit of a pre-talk about how everybody knows I have these bugaboos going on with LinkedIn. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and we'll talk about a bunch more. Prit, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. You're more than welcome. So I know you're on the other side of the world. It's late at night. You're ready to go. So let's just jump right into it. You are in the marketing space, but before you got into that, tell us a little bit about your journey and what got you to where you're at today. Sure. My journey has been pretty interesting to say the least. So the thing is, I'm an engineer by degree and I'm a marketer by profession. So Basically, when I was in my second year of engineering, I realized that this was not the career path that I personally wanted to have in my life. And in the culture and the society that I grew up in, there are only three fields that people look at you with respect. That's either the engineering field or the law or the medicine field or becoming a doctor. And there was a lot of pressure on me at the age of 20 to have my life figured out. And there I was saying, nope, this is not the career path that I see for the next 40 years of my life. Coincidentally, sometime during my second year summer holidays, my dad saw me lying around the house and he's a very typical Indian parent. He said, why don't you go out there and get some real world experience? You never know, you might actually like it. And at that time, I joked with him and I said, with the marks I have, I don't think anyone's going to hire me. He laughed, of course. My mom was not amused by this joke. Either way, it's important for me to mention at this point that both my parents, they are entrepreneurs and business owners themselves. So what happened was my dad took me to his office the next day. I was really grumpy because I just wanted to stay at home. I wanted to relax. I wanted to chill out for my summer holidays. I did not want to do any work. And, but I still went because, well, he's my dad. He asked me to sit in his office while he got an employee. And basically he said, whatever the employee needs, just help them with it. At that point, it was in 2012, if I'm not wrong. The company had been offline and they were trying to get into the online space. So that was social media and their website and all of those things. And so I had to help them with all of those. Like, for example, if there was a sentence that was not proper on the website, I had to help them fix it or create captions for their social media posts. I absolutely enjoyed every second of it, Ryan. I can't even tell you how eight hours a day would just fly by. I wouldn't even understand how I was so engrossed. Somewhere up there, everything was clicking. At the same time, I was also involved with my college fests. So I was choreographing flash mobs. I'm a Bollywood dancer. And so I was choreographing flash mobs. I was doing outreach. All of this, I was basically doing marketing, but I just didn't know it was called marketing at the time. I went back the next two summers voluntarily to my dad's company to help him out, which was very surprising to everyone, including him. <laughs> but I did. I got my degree and I realized, nope, this is not the path I want. I didn't apply to a single job after my engineering. Immediately, I applied for business schools because I knew that I would want to start my business someday, maybe 10 or 15 years down the line. Both my parents, as I said, they started their own businesses. So I think it was a fascination for me since a very young age. And as I grew, I realized that 
I wanted to make a bigger impact to the society and to the world. And one of the ways that I could do that was to start on my own. So I applied to business schools. I got into Rochester Institute of Technology, where I did my MBA program for two years. During my first marketing class, my professors up there, she's just asking questions just to gauge the knowledge of the class and like, what is the starting point for her to get on with the topic? And there I was, Ryan, like a total nerd, just raising my hand for every single question. It wasn't the usual marketing questions. It was like Coca-Cola campaign 10 years ago or Maggie campaign three years ago. And somehow all through my life, I'd absorb information about this. Turns out that I'd been interested in marketing and I just didn't know it was marketing. It was in that moment that I found my passion for marketing and I vowed never ever to take it for granted because it came from a lot of confusion, a lot of feeling lost because at the age of 20, when everybody around you knows exactly what they want to do with their life, it's pretty scary that you've got no plans, you've got no starting point, and you have no idea how your life is going to go. And my story, my entrepreneurial story actually starts there. So after I finished my MBA program, because I was an international student in the US, we get about one year of practical training so we can work under our student visa. After that, your employer has to apply to convert that student visa into a work visa. It's called the H-1B visa. So I got on, I got a great job on Long Island. It was a top solar firm in the state. I was so happy with my job. It was everything I wanted. I was en route for a great career. I could really sense it. My employer was very enthusiastic to file for my work visa. They wanted me to stay there. And unfortunately, for those of you who may not know, the work visa process, it's a lottery. And so in the year of 2019, 200,000 applications were submitted and only 85,000 were projected to be processed. Mine was one of them that was not processed. And so literally overnight, the life that I had dreamed for myself, the career path that I thought I had just figured my life out. Everything was just gone within a second. And I had no idea where to start, what to do, how to even go about this. And again, in the society that I grew up in, it was always that you can't be successful unless you are in country or so-and-so company or this city or this place or this position. And so having all of that taken away from me, I was in a lot of pain, a lot of anguish. I could I could hear everybody around me saying, oh, she's done for even before her career started. And at that point, I thought to myself, if I have to create some sort of light in this darkness, it's on me. And I thought maybe I should start something on my own now instead of waiting five or 10 years down the line. I was already at ground zero. I could not go below lower than that. And if I tried it for a year, it didn't work out. I could always go back to putting my resume on LinkedIn. And so it was in that split second moment that I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start on my own. I'm going to see how it goes for a year and then take a call after that. I started freelancing in September of 2019. Very soon, it was something clicked. It was clear to me that something was clicking. I was able to get clients. I was able to grow on my platforms. I was able to find a very solid footing. And so while I was in India, I came back in September 2019. And that's when I started freelancing. While I was in India, 
I actually set up my company in Delaware a year later in 2020, August. And I have not looked back since. In the three and a half years of my entrepreneurial journey, I have published a book. I have grown my channels on YouTube, on podcasts. I'm an Etsy shop owner. I'm a Skillshare teacher. And I'm just a girl with a zest for life. And I think through that pain and that confusion and that anguish, I managed to create my small little happy bubble. And if I had to do it all over again, I swear, Ryan, I would. So yeah, that's my story. That's where I am today. I've helped 60 plus clients in the last three and a half years of being a marketing strategy consultant. And I'm very proud of how I managed to make something out of nothing at that stage. It's amazing what happens when we hit rock bottom and we think that is the end and it actually bounces us off and moves in a general direction because the joke, it's not a joke, but it's truthful about my life is I'm a three-time failure or two-time failure at entrepreneurship. I'm on my third try and the first two sucked. And I learned a lot from those experiences, but I'm in one of those rounds to where life is changing around me and I need to do different Mm. things other than what I'm doing today. And I'm being presented with some different ideas and I'm thinking, okay, how do I take those on and and way to look at life differently through a lens, not just being an entrepreneur, there's other things you can do as an entrepreneur and entrepreneur is just a catalyst, I call it, to be able to get into other things. And you could be a business owner, whatever the case is, but when you hit that rock bottom, and Mm. I digress, it's just, it's then and there that you actually learn what you're made of, yes, how you're going to be able to turn it around and what you're going to do. And a lot of people hit that rock bottom. And this is unfortunate because on the other side of my business, our nonprofit, we do financial coaching. There's a lot of people that come to us that are rock bottom, but they're not ready to be off the rock. They're ready to sit there and that's sad and it's very sad and it's can't teach that someone's got to get off say they have to, they need to make the change. And yes, uh, when I first started doing that many years ago, it really hurt my, it really hurt me because I took it personally. Mm. And now I can tell you within five minutes if someone's going to want to change or not. And then I give them the tools to get them there, but if they choose not to take them, I can't force that. And that's hard. I believe that. I think it's very true because for about a decade before that, to be honest with you, my life was a complete mess. That was the second time that I had hit rock bottom, to be very honest with you, and very publicly as well. And so it wasn't until I chose to make my life better that my life actually did become better. Up until then, I was just sitting on the rocks, like you said. And I think that's that's how life is doesn't get better on its own. You've got to make it better. It's got to be really tough steps, taking that one by one and slowly finding your way out of it. But it takes action. It takes perseverance. It takes consistency. All the things we can talk about with marketing and social media, because if you're not consistent across those channels, guess what? (laughs) Yes. You get nothing. It's true. Like we talked about, LinkedIn has been a bugaboo of mine and I'm consistent on it. I still have got 16, 17,000 connections, but I can't get past three to 4,000 people engaging on a weekly basis on my posts. That's sad, but I will keep going. I will find a way to make it happen, but that's just part of life. So you let not, let's not make this about me. That's my tangent. LinkedIn is my, my, let's look there. <laughs> So you, you've been doing it for three, almost three years, three and a half years now. 
three and a half since 2019. Yeah. Okay. So where let's talk about a little about what you're doing. What is your specialty? How do you help businesses? And let's talk about some tips and tricks because I know there's plenty of small business owners that are listening that are struggling with marketing and Absolutely. social media. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been three and a half years. I've, I'm on multiple platforms at this point, but I didn't start all of it at once, which is one advice that I do want to give to anyone listening. I know that a lot of people look at me and then they say, oh, she's on so many different platforms. So maybe I should be on that many different platforms. The thing is being a content creator is a huge part of my business. I like that side of my business. It may or may not be for you. And you also have to note that I started each platform after I stabilized one. And so Ryan and I were talking before this entire recording and I told him, he said, Crit, I've been seeing a lot of your posts on LinkedIn lately. And I actually did mention to him, I said, yes, I've been focusing on other platforms up until now. They're all, they've got their systems, they've got their processes. I'm now focusing on LinkedIn and getting my stabilization over there. And that's how it was. It's always been for me. So if there's one advice, I would say, look for where your target audience is. That's the first step. But the second step, and this is something that a lot of people don't understand, especially if you're a small business owner, you're a one man team, you're the one creating your content. Look for places where your expertise or your passion shows. For example, your strength could be in video making. Maybe you are very good with the camera, then you might want to consider maybe Instagram or YouTube. Maybe you're not so good with the camera, but maybe you love talking. Maybe you connect with people on a very, very beautiful level, then maybe you want to consider podcasting. So a lot of times people don't work to their strengths. They look at industry leaders and they're like, oh, this leader is on podcast, so I have to be on podcast. Not necessarily. You've got to balance your strengths as well as where your audience is. So that would be the second advice that I give. The third advice that I always give, even including my clients, and I'm a marketing strategy consultant. So what I basically do is I help small business owners, solopreneurs, as well as entrepreneurs to strategize their marketing, whether it's website or whether it's content on social media or how to tie in their different platforms together, how to interlink all of them or their email marketing or their content marketing. So it's basically strategy consultation that I do. And the third advice that I usually give all of my clients, to be honest, is you've got to first have a starting point. A lot of times, especially when you're starting, you're excited. And I made this mistake too when I first started out. I saw all of the information out there on the internet. I just wanted to implement it for my business. The problem with that is a lot of the content that's on social media or on the internet is for bigger companies. And when you are starting out, when you are a small business, unfortunately, that advice does not hold still, it does not hold for a long term. So you've got to find a starting point for your marketing and then create paths to different platforms. So for example, you get started with your website and then the next platform that you choose is maybe Instagram. Find a way to interlink your website and Instagram. People finding you on Instagram, get them to your website, maybe through the links in the bio or have your website talk about your Instagram page, lead them to there, interlink them. Then you start on another platform and then make sure you're interlinking. Even when you're talking to people face-to-face -face or in your email marketing, make sure that there are links 
to all of your different platforms. Not just that, having a specific goal for each platform is absolutely essential. A lot of times, and especially, I see this a lot with small businesses, they get so scared to have one goal for the platform. They want it to be potential customers looking at them, existing customers, as well as referrals. They want all of the target audience to find them on one social media platform. Unfortunately, that just confuses your audience. It confuses you as well because you don't really know what content to put out there. So I would say there are usually four buckets that I personally teach to my clients as well. One is brand awareness. The second one is nurturing your audience. The third one is especially during the purchase stage. So you want to handle their objections. And the fourth one is post-purchase stage where you're constantly building a community. You're talking about referrals. Find one goal for your platform. So for example, your website is brand awareness. Usually it's, if it's for brand awareness, then you would ideally want to have a blog. Try to get people coming in from Google then maybe you want to keep your Instagram for community building. So after people have bought your product, you bring them to your Instagram page, you create a community there. So your content on your social media platforms and also your website starts becoming consistent. And consistency, as Ryan talked about a little bit earlier, it's the hardest thing. It's absolutely hard. And so as much as possible, you want to give your systems and processes that clarity so that you can be consistent. It allows you to be more consistent. So these are a few tips and tricks that I personally use for my business. And it's what I tell my clients as well. It is hard to be consistent, but then what you hit the nail right on the head was brand messaging. You can't throw spaghetti on the wall because I'm <laughs> yes. a failure at that. <laughs> I've done that a bunch of times, but this. For my personal brand, I have multiple companies and I struggle with it too. And I know I can always improve and feedback is always welcome from anybody, including you, um, because I have a real estate brand, I have a coaching brand, and I have a podcast brand. All me. They're all Ryan Dement. So they all have different names, but they're all there. And I try to be equally consistent with them. But sometimes the podcast overtakes the other two brands because it it generates a lot more eyeballs. Mm. It's okay. How do I balance that all out? So that's where mm. I'm currently at today, where we met on Podmatch. It's blown me up. I'm booked out until 2024 already on both my podcasts. So it gets a lot of eyeballs and it's okay. Now, how do I, I don't want to dial it back, but I need to be able to equal the playing field before mm. my real estate business and the coaching business and the nonprofit, as you want to call it. But that's a struggle. That's just a real struggle. And it's just, I'm a solopreneur. I've got, I have a couple of VAs that support me in all this process, but at the end of the day, that's where we're at. And, and I know there's gotta be other people struggling with that type of brand awareness and being able to, I call it omni-channel, but it's truly being yes. omnipresent is being everywhere. Uh, and that's something to really work on. So if we could talk a little bit about that and not trying to yeah. do it for myself, but I know there's other people struggling with that. And that's a big Absolutely. issue for us small, small business owners. Absolutely. So I'm definitely someone you would call omnipresent. I have my name brand coming up right now. I am known as the marketing nomad every single place. So I have my own podcast, Etsy shop, Skillshare. There's just a lot of platforms that I'm on. One of the things that I've found to help me because even I have struggled with the issue of imbalance in these platforms is number one, accept that sometimes there will be an imbalance. 
There is nothing wrong with that. It's just a state of business. And so your job in the imbalance, like initially I used to panic. I used to be absolutely panicking, but you also have to understand that different businesses have different seasons. That's also very important. Once I took a step back, I realized, oh, my Etsy does really well from December all the way till June. So that's the season for that particular thing. Then my Instagram, it does not do well at all during November, December, and January because people want to just take off from the social media. They don't want to have anything to do with it. And so accepting that each segment of your business will have seasons was number one for me. Number two is, okay, how do you understand that each of them have seasons? So how do you balance them out? One thing that I've found that works for me is talking about each platform on different platforms. So for example, you're here now, Ryan, you have your podcast, you have your coaching business, and you have your real estate. Maybe if I were you, I would probably talk a little bit about real estate on my podcast. And in a way that's very casual, like maybe you just came back from a client with someone you were trying to sell a house with. I'm not sure what your business exactly does, but I'm assuming it's probably something to do with selling houses. So maybe you can just come here and casually mention it on your podcast. It doesn't have to be outright selling because sometimes selling is not selling. That's big marketing, right? So talking about other platforms on your different platforms help. And for me, one thing that is absolutely crazy and it blows my mind is all I do, okay, on my YouTube channel, I do vlogs, okay? It's completely unrelated to an Etsy shop where I sell digital products for business owners and entrepreneurs. But in the, what do you call the description of my YouTube channel, I mention every single platform that I'm on. And what do you know, 20% of my Etsy traffic comes from YouTube. It absolutely blows my mind. And my, YouTube, my Etsy shop has had over 400 sales. I'm doing pretty well on Etsy. So it's absolutely crazy. You never know who's going to find you on which platform, even though it seemingly does not relate to what you're doing. And even with your coaching business, I would talk to your, the people that you talk to on your podcast. I would casually mention that you also have a coaching business. After this call is done, you have that five-minute chat with your guest. I would mention it. So that way, you're leveraging all the guests that are coming on your podcast. And you say your podcast is completely booked till 2024. That's a lot of people, a lot of eyeballs that you can get on your coaching business. So tapping into the existing people on each of your different platforms is one of the secrets to my marketing. And trust me, it's unbelievable because a lot of times we try to look for new audience when we don't realize that we already probably have them. What are your thoughts on this, Ryan? I like it. I've actually had some guests come on that have probed me for more about what I do See? outside of my podcast. And for me, I try not to interject too much of what I do because my podcasts are about my guests. They're about you. I want you to connect with our listeners and viewership. But at the same time, I feel I can share more. I try mm. to be, I try to be very cautious in that because I don't want to be, if I'm listening to a podcast myself, someone else's podcast, I don't want it to be all about what they're doing. I want it to be about the conversation they're having with their guest if they have a guest on. And so one of the things that I've tried the last week and a half or so, I've put out some shorter podcasts that talk mm. about my journey, talking about the struggles of an entrepreneur um, 
and we develop workforce housing. So basically it's affordable housing. It's not $500,000. They typically sell for between $185,000 and $220,000. We're leveling up our next development and the funding that we partner with through the city has been delayed multiple months. So it's put everything in chaos and the chaos all boils down on me. So I have to figure out how to make that all work because I have construction crews, I have sales team, and I have people that are looking to buy houses and everything's delayed. So that has been a journey I've shared, I think in two episodes on this podcast, mm. Chasing Happiness, just talking about the ups and downs of the business. And now with interest rates, and there's creative ways to work around interest rates to buy a home, which I share mm. some of that. But I always feel I don't want to overshare and overburden on my podcast because I feel like the podcast should be about the podcast and not about the journey I'm on. Yeah, that's where the delicate balance comes in. You have to find that middle ground that even if it's just for me, what works is usually casually bringing it like at least telling people what I was doing. I just came from a client meeting, just even mentioning that half a sentence that I came from a client meeting that itself piques interest and it's me talking because one thing, and it, this is a rule in marketing, that consumers need to hear it at least seven times for it to even register in their minds. Forget even taking action. Yeah. And so every time you come, you're just like, I just wrapped up an episode. If you are talking to your client, you're on a coaching call. I just wrapped up an episode. I'm here right now. What can I do for you? Small things like that really make a difference. It's not focusing on what you just did. Because if you notice the way that I phrased the sentence, I just wrapped up an episode. I'm here right now for you. Let's talk about what's going on with you. Even those little conversations, those really impact. And not just that, people are interested to know the behind the scenes of what you are doing. It might not be you selling completely and outrightly, but in a way that is marketing. Just even talking about it is marketing. It is. And some of the stuff we talk about, at least outside of the podcast, is not sexy, especially on the coaching side. We're talking oh, yeah. about change and we're talking mm. about when you hit that rock bottom and you need to get yourself off and how change is not a four-letter word. Those things are not sexy. And so when people hear those things, they're like, oh, I don't want to change. And I joke, <laughs> and it's like, there's two types of people. Either you're going to be a couch surfer and sit there and be comfortable, or you're going to be a climber in life. Which one do you mm. want to be? You have a choice. And it's your own choice to, to move your life or not move it. But you can't, Absolutely. the one thing I always say, you can't complain about it if you're not willing to make the change and, and take yes. the effort. Yes. I 100% so, agree with that. Yeah. That's just life general. I digress. Let's talk more marketing because I like marketing too. And I love to pick your brain. You've shared some great, some great nuggets. So you're working with a brand new client. And you're going through that client's social media, marketing, and so forth. What are some typical things you're seeing from small business owners and some struggles, but then also some wins? Let's hear some wins out of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. So one of the things that I definitely do see happening a lot more is brands reaching out to new follows. I think that's such a brilliant way to start the conversation. And Sometimes, yes, I do see them selling right off the bat, talking about their products and services. I would call that a red flag, but most of the times recently, especially, I see that brands are starting to build that communication, that relationship with their audience. 
what I personally do is if you if someone follows me on my Instagram, I usually leave them a voice note. I just say, hey, thanks for the follow. If there's any kind of content that you'd like to see from me, let me know. I would be happy to help you out in any way that I can. And it's just those little things that make a difference that build that connection with you as a person rather than you as a company that wants them to buy the product or services. So you just piqued my interest. Hold on. I got to ask, how are you leaving them a voice message? Are you sending them a direct message on LinkedIn or LinkedIn on Instagram? Yeah. And you're just, just using your voice. voice oh, that's... you're it's wow. Okay. I didn't think yeah. of it that way. And, and if that's a little bit too much, because I know sometimes you don't have, if you have like too many follows, what I would do is just a video of you, no sound, just waving. And trust me, that makes a world of difference. Just send that will be in your folder. You just have to send that to every single person who follows you. And maybe just write a small message saying, hi, happy to have your follow. If there's any kind of content that you'd like from us, that would be great. Let us know. If you're looking for something in particular, we would be happy to help you out. Just even putting your followers in that no pressure situation, Trust me, I've had an increase in my engagement with my stories because of that, because everyone's just a lot more comfortable talking to me. They no more look at me as a business. They look at me as a person behind mm -hmm. that Instagram account. And that's very important. That's They need that connection. And so if you are looking to build that connection with your audience, these two are really good ways to get that conversation started. After one or two conversations like this, you can always get to selling your products or your services. Can you do that across all social media platforms? Because I'm thinking Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can, absolutely. Though LinkedIn, I don't know if it has voice recording because Instagram, is that voice recording thing is right there. But LinkedIn, yes, definitely a video, just a three second video of you waving and saying, hi, thanks so much for the follow or I'm happy to connect with you on LinkedIn. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? What is it that you do? I saw this on your profile. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? ask them about themselves because LinkedIn is it, there's another person on the other end and most likely they're doing something interesting at least they find what they're doing interesting right so trying to understand what they do how you can help them that's also a great way to get that conversation started rather than selling to them right off the bat okay I gotta ask because so this is gonna be a little bit of a, a little bit of a drop for you it'll be easy if you're a small business owner and you're getting those follows, you can't, it's hard to keep up. I have a hard enough keeping up with what I've got on my plate today and running the business. So here you are, step right into it. One would be to outsource. That would definitely be one, one way that I would go about it. And if you're doing really well and people are following you and stuff like that, ideally you would have the resources to outsource that. And like I said, it's a pre-recorded video. If you can't do the voice note, it's a pre-recorded video. It just takes three seconds of your time and then the time of the person that you've outsourced to just send it to the people and have a standard message. So that way, but if you're doing voice notes, it does take time. I got to tell you, Ryan, but every Sunday when I'm sitting around jobless, rather than watching <laughs> Netflix, I do this. That's my downtime. It's not, I'm not yet at that stage of growth where, oh, it's a thousand a day and I can't really keep up with that. But yeah, that, that is something that I would recommend outsourcing if you're at that level of growth. That's cool. I learned something new today. I will take a look at it because I'd love to be able to send people a quick three to five second video saying, hey, hi, how are you? Thanks for Absolutely. connecting. I'm, yeah, I'm the not, reason why I said that. no sound is because 
I know that by default, people on social media, they don't have their sound on. So even if you are speaking, it's an extra effort for them to switch on the sound. So that's why I just said, even you waving for three seconds in silence, trust me, that works. But of course, if you want to speak, you want to have a personalized video, that also works. Wow. Okay, you dropped a nugget. Let's hear another one. Okay. Okay. So that was the first one. The second one is making use of the features that are available, especially on Instagram right now. They've been updating ever so regularly. I am a bit impressed, to be honest with you, as the scheduling feature, take maximum advantage of that. There is the questions feature, the polls feature that you can now use in your reels. And I think that's just absolutely mind-blowing because it's a way for your audience, again, to connect with you, to talk to you in a no-pressure situation. I know that a lot of people do use it on their stories, but now you can start using it for your reels as well. People can actually, with your content, even on their feed. That's one thing. Then another very underrated Instagram feature that I don't see a lot of people using is the stitching of it, where you remix someone else's reel with your thoughts. So someone puts in a thought and then you give your feedback or your thoughts on that mm. particular content. That is something that I'm not seeing a lot, but it is a huge, huge, I guess I would say it's a gold mine there. You could definitely take advantage of that because one, not only are you tapping into their audience, the person who actually first created the content, you're also giving your audience a different spin. It's a different version of you. It's a different kind of content. And you never know that might actually work for your business as well. It also puts you as an industry leader, as an authority in your field, because you are giving your thoughts and opinions about something else. So that's one way to go about it. Then another feature, I guess, on LinkedIn, LinkedIn Live, trying those out for your business. A lot of times, small businesses especially, they hesitate a bit to go live or to have that live interaction with their audience. I really think that's an untapped thing over there that you should try at least once every week or at least two times every month. I would highly recommend that. Having going live is a different feeling rather than having your posts on someone's feed. When you're live, you actually get to interact with them. You get to understand where they're coming from. And you can also, in a way, because surveys are really important for marketing, you can gauge how they're feeling. You can talk to them, ask them how the experience of your Instagram or your LinkedIn pages, or even YouTube for that matter. You can ask them what kind of content they want. That's live. That's live interaction with people who are influenced by you and who influence what you do as well, right? And so that kind of interaction is priceless if you use it the right way. So all of those, I guess I would say my second point is make sure that you're using all the features that are available right now, because there are a ton of them and they're really, they will maximize the kind of content that you have, as well as the reach that you can get to. It's amazing how many tools there are out there, but then we mm. don't take advantage of them. And I know going live, I used to be against it, but I will go live whenever. The problem is I'm not consistent. So I know I have to go do that better. But the other piece is scheduling it and putting it out on social media. I, that is the biggest win I've done. When I do go live, I give it at least a week. I put mm. social media posts out there and let people know we're going live and here's what we're talking about. 
once you can do that and stay consistent, you'll start seeing an uptick in people attending, but I haven't been consistent enough with that. So that's one of the things that I want to do. And I've started this group that's called tribe to change and it's just mm. change life change. And it's not meant to sell anything. It's just a group that I'm putting together and I'm building it up slowly, but surely, but that's what I want to do. I want to go live with that group and start helping people through their change process, but having just real conversations, you and I having a real conversation right now, this is real. We don't Absolutely. do that a lot. Any, we don't do it anymore. Yeah. We go just to the skin level and we stop and it's, we're human beings. We look to connect with other human beings and yes. it's been lost dramatically because of social media and a pandemic and all this other stuff going on. We need to get back to our roots and understand Absolutely. that we're humans and we're here to support one another. And that's what that group is about. Absolutely. I, I definitely I, agree with that. Guys, that sorry, that was a shameless pitch. Sorry. No, come on. <laughs> We're all, I definitely feel that entrepreneurs, our natural state is selling. If you're not selling, if you're not an entrepreneur, you're not in that mindset of selling. But we are entrepreneurs and by default, we're selling all the time. Even me just here talking, I am selling myself in a way. My What I do, who I am as a person, my personal branding. And so I don't think we should apologize for that. No, I just joke about it. But yes, you need to, you always need to be talking about what you're doing and in an indirect way. So people feel comfortable, but yes. that before we wrap this up, one other leg is you have to build trust and credibility with mm -hmm. people. What could be two tips that you can share with small business owner entrepreneurs to do that? Yeah. So the first tip that I definitely do have is being authentic, but I got to dig into what authenticity even means. So being authentic is making sure that what your beliefs, your values are, whatever you're putting out there, it stays true to who you are as a person. A lot of times, and I've seen this mistake happen so much, is people think that authenticity means that we have to bear everything to everyone. It's really not that. Authenticity is just about whatever content you're putting out there, and it's based on what you are comfortable putting out there. You are authentic to what your brand believes in, what your values are. And some people may or may not resonate with your values and, you know, what your thought process is, what your branding is, but those will not be your target audience. A lot of times mm -hmm. people get so scared of alienating people because they think, oh, I've got to think the way that my audience does. No, you've got to think the way that you do. You've got to have your beliefs, your brand values, and the people who are attracted to that will come to you. They will follow you for that. It's not the other way around. That's one huge mistake that I see a lot of people doing. One, mis one tip that I would have is be authentic. Number two is take the time to get to know them. I think a lot of times, like Ryan said, we as humans, we're instinctively driven to have connections, to make connections. And when you look at your followers as a commodity rather than a person, your instinct would be to just sell to them. Immediately, the minute they follow you, just send them about your products or your services. It's really off-putting, right? So first, take the time to look at them as another person that you are forming a friendship with, you're forming a bond, you're forming some sort of connection there. Get to know them, ask them how their day was going, ask them what problems they have, find solutions to them. It may not even be related to your industry. Let me make that clear. Just understanding them as each individual is one of the ways that you can build trust. 
And I guess I, that's two things that have worked for me personally is understanding that the people in my audience, they like the fact that I connect with each of them in every live. And I'll give you, I'll share examples in every live with every single person who comments live. I make sure to mention their name live. I tell them, thank you so much for posting. You can go and check any of my lives. I go in, I thank them personally. And it's just that recognition, that little things that really make a difference. When I send them a voice note, I make sure to mention their name if it's mentioned on their Instagram page. Otherwise, I make sure to mention their Instagram handle. So that way they know it's a personalized message. Personalization, another great way to build trust. So it's the little things that show you care that really builds trust. They have to know that you understand them at a very, very basic human level. And so when I look at them, I don't see, oh, this is another follower. This is another potential client. This is another dollar sign, dollar sign into my account. No, I look at them as just another human being that I'm here to become friends with. And maybe in the future, if they choose to, they'll come along with me on my entrepreneurial journey. But right now I'm on their journey. I'm just a part of theirs. So I think understanding that fundamental difference has been very key for me because as a marketer, we tend, I'm sure Ryan also agrees with this. I used to look at people like, okay, this is a follower. This means this is going to convert into views. This is going to convert into leads. This is going to convert into sales. I was very focused on that. And very quickly, I realized that was not working for me. And that was actually hurting my personal brand. So when you start looking at things from a business owner perspective, it's about connections. It's about relationships. Amen to all that. That is some great information. So we're pretty close to wrapping up here. How can everyone get a hold of you or reach out to you if they need some help or they want to work with you? Absolutely. So I'm the marketing nomad everywhere. You can catch me on Instagram where I usually share what's on my mind. I give you behind the scenes of my life. And I also have my Bollywood dancing where I share life advice as well. That's just me being me and sharing my life with you guys. And then I'm there on LinkedIn, Prithvi Madhukar. That's my whole name. I have a book that just came out. It is Zero to Four Figures Lessons Learned by a Broke CEO. Surprise, surprise, I'm the Broke CEO. At least I was. And it's got 61 stories and lessons on how to get started with your entrepreneurial journey. So if you're a little tight with your money, especially during the beginning stages of your journey, then I think my book would be helpful. Other than that, I'm the marketing nomad everywhere. You can just Google me. You'll find me everywhere. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing all that knowledge. It was wonderful. Those are definitely nuggets that everyone should be paying attention to. I'm going to go back and listen to some of them because there's things that I can do, especially the personalization piece. But again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time. Love the conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. I'm super, super excited to hear this go live. And for those of you listening all the way up until here, thank you so much for that as well. Thank you.